Hello, mamas, Laura here, and today I'm sharing my second birth story with you all. Enjoy! Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physio. Hello, mamas, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Today, we are diving into episode four of five in this C-section birth series, where I'll be sharing my second birth story with you all. So I am picking up where we left off in the last episode, sharing the interview I did with Sophie from the Australian Birth Stories podcast, which was recorded only a few weeks after I gave birth to my second baby. Make sure you listen to the first three episodes that we've already released in this C-section birth series as they will help to give you some great information and background on C-sections before you dive into today's episode. Today, I share about my journey with my second pregnancy and birth, which whilst it ended in a similar fashion to my first, was a very different experience for me. So I talk about my experience with preparing for a VBAC, the things I changed in this pregnancy to try and help me mentally and physically prepare better. And I think it's very unique to use this interview as I was sharing all of this just a few short weeks after my birth. So you can hear in my voice how positive and okay I felt about the whole process. And I'm quite surprised to be honest, just how energetic I sound for a new mum. And I'm kind of wishing I had that energy right about now. So I'm looking forward to doing a similar thing with my upcoming third birth. As I record this interview today, I'm over halfway into my third pregnancy. And I think I will also try to record my birth just a few weeks after afterwards so that everything is fresh and raw and a really beautiful memory to look back on. So as I mentioned in the last episode where I shared my first birth story, I wanted to use this interview with Sophie because it was raw. I didn't want to change it by re-recording it now. I'd actually forgotten a lot of the details that I shared with Sophie and it was actually really nice to listen back to it one and a half years later on and remember the things that I had forgotten about. So I hope you enjoy today's episode and as always, please come over and chat to me on Instagram or Facebook at PhysioLaura because I really do love hearing what you got out of each episode and whether maybe me sharing some of my story resonated with you. So now we have one more episode left in this C-section birth series. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so you don't miss out when we release that last episode. And don't forget that this entire podcast series, including the final Q&A episode on C-sections, is now live inside my online membership program, The Pregnancy Posse. I would love to help you have a healthy, active, pain-free pregnancy. So just head over to The Pregnancy Posse to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about and trial the program for seven days. Now, for today's Laura's Life Lessons, (laughs) something that has been on my mind and that also ties back really well with this birth episode, you may have heard some people saying on social media, take the photo. And what I understand that to mean is that for partners to take the photo of mum looking tired with baby on her chest or take the candid photo of her kissing her baby's head, even if she isn't posed or ready or smiling, because these are the memories we long to look back on and cherish. These are the raw, real times that we want to be able to show our kids when they're older. 
I personally have so many breastfeeding photos or videos on my phone because I want to be able to look back and remember just how wonderful those times were. And listening back to me sharing my birth interviews was so interesting. And I'm so glad that I have a recorded version of it to hold from that specific moment in time. So whether it's a voice memo on your phone, a journal in the notes section of your computer, pen to paper reflections on where you're at right now in this moment, or the photo that seems unpolished and raw, take it, do it. These memories you'll never regret. Now let's get into episode four of our five part C-section birth series, chatting all about my second pregnancy and birth story. Were you trying for long to conceive Pia or did you find that quite happened quite quickly again? Um, again, we were really lucky. So my main thing was I'd always thought I'd like kids close together. It, it had always been how I imagined my family would turn out. But um, when you're breastfeeding, it's always that, oh, well, it's really dependent on when my body decides it's ready to conceive again. And I remember, again, researching and Googling, can you fall pregnant if you haven't had your period come back and going down a rabbit hole of that again. And um, uh, we... So even though I was breastfeeding overnight, because my understanding was if you were feeding overnight, less likely that your cycle will come back. But my cycle did come back at seven or eight months postnatal, even though I was, I still fed overnight for the first year, I think. Um, And so pretty much as soon as my cycle came back, we were ready to try and have another baby. Like Mussy was a fantastic newborn. It definitely didn't put us off wanting more children. So we thought, why not try? Like who knows how long this will take? And fortunately, it didn't take very long again. Um, So I fell pregnant when Mussy was probably about 10 months, 11 10 months or 11 months um, and I, I announced it to my husband on Christmas Day which was exciting and I had to hold on to the secret for a whole day because I'd found out the day before but I wanted to wrap it up as a Christmas present for him and that was hard but yeah we were really excited and um, I definitely didn't have the same anxieties in this pregnancy I'd, about miscarrying or anything I just had this sort of innate confidence and know, it was a very strange feeling given I think once you've had a miscarriage, you always, I thought you'd always hold on to that. But no, I had this confidence everything was going to be okay. And yeah, it was it was really good. So I continued to feed Mussy and I thought, I wonder how he'll go um, being pregnant because everyone says that they can go off it a little bit. And um, he ended up self-weaning at around 13 months. So I think he, he did sense something was different. I personally wasn't emotionally ready to finish feeding. <laughs> he just one day bit me, rolled over, and then never looked back again. Oh, <laughs> I brutal last feed. <laughs> <laughs> I thought our last feed would be like, you know, a salt lamp on and this wonderful, you know, it was me telling him this is the last feed oh. and it's beautiful. And no, that's exactly how it ended. Oh, funny. <laughs> I think it's funny too, often you'll have the last feed and you don't realize as well and you're like and you haven't kind of celebrated it or whatever I think it happens in a lot of different ways for people doesn't it I should have asked you really how your pelvic floor recovered from your first um labor I know you had a cesarean but it's does still um still affected with the weight of the baby and things isn't it how how are you feeling in your recovery yeah, that's a good point because I think a lot of women have that notion that if you have a C-section, you don't have to worry about it and I'm big on pushing it. But no, no, you've still had a pregnancy and that's a lot of weight. So I had a little bit of stress incontinence in the first pregnancy even though I was doing my pelvic floor regularly and looking after myself. So that was a really good um, sign to me to make sure I did some really good postnatal recovery too. But touch wood, my pelvic floor has been brilliant. I've had no concerns whatsoever. I certainly... 
I felt the load in my second pregnancy just from having, I think, a first pregnancy. Um, you can tell that there's a little bit of a difference second time round, and I think also because I was lifting a toddler. Um, but I'm pretty diligent. I think I, I definitely practice what I preach. I do public floor three times a day. I do it every time I talk about it, really, and I do tend to talk we'll do about it, now, it a lot. Now that you've yeah, yeah, <laughs> standing up, squeezing. <laughs> um, so my, my pelvic floor recovery, yes, was really, really good. Um, I was going to go get checked by a colleague um, if I'd had a vaginal birth, but I actually didn't go and get checked after the Caesar because I was fairly confident that everything was A-OK um, and I knew what to look out for if I was concerned. So, um, But I do recommend everyone have a checkup afterwards, particularly after a vaginal delivery or if you have any concerns. But, yeah, I've been very fortunate. I got back into high-impact exercise and all of that and, yeah, touch wood, haven't had any issues. So good. And in between your two babies, did you have a bit of a sea change? Did you move to the beach then? Yes, yes, we did. So I was actually, or not in between, I was pregnant already. Um, we have a bit of a habit of moving in pregnancies or when we've got newborns we're actually moving in a couple of weeks time oh. <laughs> suburb but just into a different house which is a little bit closer to the action yeah. um and she'll be six weeks then and we're like oh why do we do this to ourselves but um yeah we moved down to the surf coast from melbourne um which has been the best decision we ever made it's amazing down here um but i decided to stay with my same obstetrician so we were still planning to give birth in melbourne but just living down here it's about an hour and a half from melbourne so um yeah it's been a great move highly recommend it yeah, house on the surf coast the best uh, so. yeah i always see your your holiday stories yeah. they look great well, my too. i can't afford a beach house but anyway oh, that's <laughs> just a family member yeah, that's what you need. um now you mentioned before that you went into this pregnancy um with a different kind of preparation technique with classes and things and you're obviously trying for a v-back so what yes. sort of things did you start doing this time around so this time around, I, I realised, first of all, that I hadn't really included JA in any of my preparation. So I was having a chat one day and I was telling him about some active birth skills and he just sort of had no idea what I was talking about. And then I realised that I just assumed, because I knew it, that I would just direct him during labour. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous because if you're in the throes of labour, the last thing you need to be is in your cortical brain trying to tell someone how to nurture you. You need to have already taught him these skills so that you don't have to be directive, that he can just, you know, try things and if they fit, they fit. And so we actually had a little active birth class, just the two of us, and I was teaching him all I knew. So that was a really good thing because we realised we hadn't actually done that first time round. Um, and I also did hypnobirth, so I didn't do a class, but um, I was recommended the Marie Mongan book, which I think is just called the Hypnobirthing Book. Um, and I really liked that, actually, because I, I'm big on meditation and mindfulness and mindset training, and I think for me, I knew that would be the biggest thing I needed to do to labour well. Like, I knew I would keep myself physically well, but it's the mental side of things I wanted to train beforehand. So I read that book, and I really liked that, and then I downloaded, on your discount, thank you very much, I downloaded the hypnobirth tracks, yeah, and I... I listen to those at night time, probably not as much as I should have. I know some friends who listen to it every single night. I certainly wasn't that regular, but um, I really liked those. I thought they were really helpful. Um, and then I did little hacks like, um, I'm not sure if you've seen me talk about it, but like the cold shower where I would 
have a shower and then at the end of the shower I would blast cold water for 20 or 30 seconds and practice relaxing, practice my mindset training amongst the discomfort of how cold the water was and it gets really cold down here as well. Um, and that was, those sorts of things were really helpful for me because I knew that labour would be uncomfortable and um, I would have to be able to focus and I'd have to be able to um, have practiced that beforehand so that I had built up that sort of brain training so I could walk into labor with that strength. And so little things like that, which sound ridiculous, but I, I swear you should try it because it really is helpful. Um, just being able to relax your body and tell yourself, you know, it's just a sensation. It's not a bad sensation. Being freezing cold, it's just a sensation, like not attaching um, stories to it because I know with labor, it can be very easy for some women to say, oh, this is painful, this is sore, I don't want it, I don't like it, um, I, I want to get rid of it as opposed to trying to roll with the waves of a labor contraction and, you know, sort of just stop resisting it and instead go with the flow. Um, and whilst I didn't actually get to practice that, I, I thought that sort of mindset training would would have held me in good stead yeah, so good life skills to have i know at the end of my pregnancy <laughs> yoga they used to make us do a wall sit where you lean against the wall and you're in like a 90 degree position and then yes. so it's really hard and then you just try and do it for as long as you can but it's the same concept of exactly. it's just a sensation and it's for a short period of time and i can manage yeah and it's not an injury it's you know it's a physiological um a productive pain i guess um a muscular pain yeah and um, so what were the end stages of Pia's pregnancy like then? Um, so, again, she was a brilliant pregnancy. She was probably, I would say, even easier than Mussy. I didn't have as many hash browns this time. So <laughs> I, the weight gain wasn't as much, which I think made a huge difference because I felt more active. And I think just being active with a toddler as well, um, you're on your feet all day. You don't really have time to just sit on the couch and bludge as much. So um, I was generally just a bit... Fitter and stronger, I think, this time around, which made a big difference. But um, the whole time through her pregnancy, we were going for a VBAC. So um, my obstetrician was totally on board. There was no reason why I couldn't have a VBAC or, sorry, an attempt for a VBAC. Um, there's another word, um, a TOLAC, which is trial of labour after season. I also really like that because it's, it's like giving you, you know, the option to trial as opposed to saying I'm having a vaginal birth. Like I know it's just a terminology, but it's a nice. I know a lot of women who are trying for a VBAC like or prefer the word TOLAC. But um, yeah, so we were um, both on the same page that um, we were really motivated to trial for a VBAC as long as everything was looking good. Um, I certainly don't have the mentality of vaginal birth at all costs. Like I wasn't going in there with my blinkers on just wanting to have this vaginal birth at all costs. I was not in that state of mind. I was wanting a vaginal birth. If everything was looking good, I was healthy, baby was healthy, and my body was willing to give it a go. I wasn't going to try and, I guess, thrash that idea at all costs. I just didn't want that for me or for my baby. Um, and so I was measuring fine, so I wasn't big this time, which was really good because I think that was probably my concern that if I was measuring big, then... Does that mean I was going to have to be induced again and all of that? But everything was um, measuring really well. And so the, the talk was always just around everything's going well, let's just keep touching base and um, it will just be a matter of how far overdue um, you're going to go if you do and then what we do then. And so I just never thought I would go overdue. I think in my mind, like I had packed my bags from 36 weeks, I think, and I had – 
tried to wrap up all my work around the 37 week mark because in my head I was like yeah no 38 weeks baby's gonna come out it's gonna be great anyway I ended up going quite overdue and um so we had to start having the discussions around that and I thought that maybe because I'd had a Caesar there was more concern with how far overdue you can go but the good thing to know was that there wasn't it's all still to do with placental function so um you don't have to um like you can still go just as overdue post Caesar as you could if you hadn't had one if that makes sense um so that was good to know I didn't feel like I was being pressured to have to get baby out earlier than I would have if I hadn't had a Caesar so I had told myself that this time around I just really wanted to get to my due date and that was my goal because I think with Mussy there was still that little itch in the back of my mind that what if I had just gone a couple more weeks would my body have gone into labour and that's a terrible mindset to be in because you're never going to know so you're sort of tormenting yourself around it but I knew that I just was really motivated to get to my due date so at least I could say okay well we got there and if something happens something happened if not so be it. But my obstetrician was quite happy for me to keep going, and so was I. I felt comfortable enough. Um, So we got to about six days over, and at this stage I was trying acupuncture um, because I'd had success with that for my cycles in the past, and so I thought, why not just give it a crack? I've got nothing to lose. I certainly wasn't going crazy on the pineapple, sex, curries, all of that because I didn't want to lose my mind. But, um, yeah. Are you doing dates? I didn't do dates. I have heard of that one though. I thought I'll just stick to acupuncture and walking every day. And I really do believe like if baby's going to come, they'll come. And if they're not, they're not. So I didn't want to drive myself crazy. And so six days over – Um, And I I didn't want to get checked either because I didn't want to be disappointed if my cervix wasn't changing because I was very aware that um, it can change last minute. Like you can go from your cervix not being ready to, okay, we're in labour, things are happening. So I didn't want to get checked because I didn't want to be disappointed. But when we got to about six days over, um, we decided to have a check just to see if there was any movement in the cervix, if my body was showing some signs of baby moving down and engaging or at least my cervix thinning a little bit or dilating and look nothing had changed at six days and I wasn't too concerned because I still knew I had time up my sleeve and um, you know we, we weren't necessarily going to have to make a decision right then but that was maybe the Thursday so we made a decision that come 10, de- 10 no, nine days post if nothing had happened, we'd book in for a season. I was completely on board with that. That's sort of how I expected it would plan out. Um, and But I still had this hope that, no, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm going to go into labour. Like, come on, 10 days post, like, that's so much extra time, baby, come out. Um, so we booked that in and I was really comfortable with it and I had wrapped my head around yep, this is good, I've, I've done what I wanted to do, I've gotten to this stage and I just trust that if my body wants to do something, it will and if it doesn't, I had a great recovery last time, I had a great experience, I'm happy to go through that again, it wasn't at all a problem for me but I still did obviously have that hope that, oh, come on, you know, at least I'm going to feel what labour feels like, you know, I've never felt a contraction and so we got to nine days, yeah, nine days post and we booked a night in the city um, we thought final date night, you know, go out for dinner, watch a movie and then we'll go in and have our baby the next day and nothing had happened at this stage. I wasn't even having Braxton Hicks. I was really not showing too many signs of 
labor coming on i'm quite convinced that i would have been like a good 44 week gestator back in the day if they'd let you go that far <laughs> just i don't think my body was even close to wanting to get things moving um and so yeah so we had this date day planned and I'd wrapped my head around, yep, we're going to have a scheduled C-section. We were going to surprise our families. We just told them we were having a checkup. Um, we got Mussy looked after by my mum and we were going to then FaceTime them afterwards and say, hey, baby's here. And it was going to be great because we thought if we can't have a surprise, we want to be able to surprise everyone else. Um, and that was the other strange thing was picking a birth date. Like not that I had a huge amount of control of that, but so Pia was born on the 10th of September and I was like, well, the 9th of the 9th, 2019 that's a great birthday to remember and then September 11 is not really a day that I'd want my daughter born on because it has you know connotations with another event and it was really strange picking a date like it's such a surreal thing to say okay we're going to have a baby on this date yeah. that was that was really weird to me um Yes, anyway, so we had this final date day and I'd started, I woke up in the morning and I was feeling something. I, I couldn't even pinpoint it. It was, it was like a tightening, which everyone describes labor as, but I'd never felt this before. So I thought, oh, I'll just ignore it. Like it's no big deal. We took Mussy to daycare that day and we were just getting things ready. And I was noticing it was becoming a little bit more regular. And I thought, no, surely not. Like, I'm having a C-section tomorrow. Like, it wouldn't happen at the final hour, surely not. But then I was thinking, everyone does say that. You know, you book in an induction or a cesarean and then it's like your body finally relaxes yeah, yeah. and then you go into labour. And I thought, no, 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 it's fine. And I really wanted to go watch this movie and have this dinner. So I was almost like, oh, I almost don't want to go into labour now. I've got this lovely night planned. You know, this is throwing a spanner in the works. So I didn't tell my husband because I thought, well, I don't want to get him worked up for something that may not be anything. So I kept it to myself and I was fine. Like it, they really were very, very, very mild. And I was very aware that labor is a 10 out of 10. So I would have said this was a 0.5 out of 10. I was just aware of it. So we drove to Melbourne and we dropped my son off and they were starting to become more regular. Like I was keeping a bit of an eye on the time. They were about five to seven minutes apart. And in my mind, I was like, that sounds really close to me. They were mild, but that sounds really close to me. So I was like, okay, just keep an eye on this, Laura. So we're driving to the hotel and I said to JA, look, I don't want to alarm you or like throw a spanner in the works, but I think I might be in early labor. <laughs> excited but I don't want to get my hopes up and we were just in this like oh of course this happens last minute so we went to dinner and we went to the movie and they were becoming more intense and they were again still five to seven minutes apart but like to the point where I was having to wriggle around in my chair like I couldn't just pretend they weren't there um and so I'm starting to think, well, I'm a, I'm a bit on the clock now. I've got this surgery booked in at 9 a.m. What do I do? Like, it, do I just cancel it or do I wait till the morning, see how things are progressing? Like, my, silly, but my main concern was I didn't want to put everyone out. I didn't want to, like, cancel theatre last minute and then, you know, like, disrupt the whole schedule, and, which is ridiculous in hindsight. But So I called the birth suite and I've never had to call them before because I've never been in labour. I said, look, I think I'm in early labour. I've got this cesarean booked at nine. Can you maybe just give my obstetrician a heads up that maybe I'll cancel if things progress? Like, I'm not sure. I just really wanted to tell him 
hey, here's a possibility I could cancel the seizure. I just wanted to let you know so that you don't like wake up and get to the hospital and then I pull it, you know, last minute. <laughs> and they were like, well, you have to come in and get checked. Um, and I said, well, if I come in and I get checked, can I come back to my hotel? I don't really want to be in the hospital. This is very early. Whatever it is, it's, I know it's early. Like labour is intense. This is not intense. And they said, well, no, once you're admitted, you're admitted, you have to stay. And I thought, well, no, I don't want to go to hospital. Like this is – and I just thought, well, I'm going to be in hospital forever. Like this is so early. This is when I want to be in my comfort zone at home or at the hotel. So I said, look, I'll see how I go. I'll call you back. And I just never called them back because I thought, no, this is far too early to go in. And the only reason I'm calling is because I have this booked in at nine. So I didn't sleep at all that night because I was having like there were four to six minutes by that stage and they were getting pretty uncomfortable. Um, like I couldn't um, lie down when I got a contraction. I had to get up and sort of wriggle around and I was starting to think maybe I should put my TENS machine on and all the while I'm also going, what do I do? Like, am I going to have a natural birth after all of this or do I cancel? It was just such a mind warp to go through this at the final hour. So I was stressing about what do I do? Like, and so we got to 6am and I said to my husband, like, this this is labour. I know this is because this is very different to anything I've ever had. This is exactly how everyone describes it. It's tightenings in my back and in my front. They're regular. They last for about a minute and then they go away. Like this is textbook early labour. I said it's not intense, but it's definitely labour. So I finally got onto my obstetrician because there's like an emergency number you can call where you can bypass birth suite. And um, he said, look, it really does sound good, Laura. This is great. Like he, he wasn't at all pushing, well, you've got this booked in. We have to continue with it. Um, he was like, great. Um, let, let's come in though and let's just check you so we can make an informed decision about whether we cancel theatre or, you know, what, what are we going to do? And I thought, well, yes, that makes sense because we don't actually know where I'm at or what's happening. Let's just check on it. And I said to him, surely, you know, I've been, it'd been about 18 hours by then of mild contractions but consistent contractions. They hadn't stopped at all. And I said, surely something's changed in my cervix. And he, like I said, would you would you often see a woman who had been laboring for this long with no changes in their cervix and he said to be honest probably not if you've been having 18 hours of this then yeah we'd, we'd expect to see something so I was like great you know we're gonna have something like it's gonna be thinner it's gonna be one centimeter like just give me something so we drove it would have been a 10 minute drive from the hotel to the hospital and I had about four contractions on the way in there and they were fairly uncomfortable like I had to sort of position myself awkwardly in the chair and do not hit a speed bump JA whatever you do and I was thinking thank god we booked a hotel in the city because if this was an hour and a half drive from home I can see how women do not like that car trip like it was it was not fun and I was early 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 labor so I get into hospital and I'm like right this is happening guys we're having a v-back who would have thunk it like this is crazy and um yeah so anyway he checked me my cervix had not budged one inch. Like it was long, it was closed. There was nothing happening, nothing at all. And I was like, come on, body, what are you doing? Like in my mind, I had said, well, given that this is the only time I've ever gone into labor, I have to pursue this. Like I can't, I can't um, not see how this pans out. And that was my sort of take on it. So that's why I was like, I can't have a seizure at nine. Like I have to give my body a shot at doing this and seeing how it goes. And um, 
my obstetrician had a really good take on it, which in hindsight I think was exactly what I needed to hear, is that this is actually really good, Laura, because your body has tried to go into labour. It's tried to do what it needs to do, but nothing is happening. Like it's not... It's not moving. It's not a productive contraction. Things aren't changing down there. The head was still high. My cervix hadn't changed and I'd been labouring for 18 hours. And it's interesting how the same scenario but two different outlooks on it can be so different because the, the options were, like, again, I was not pressured, but the options were you can continue with the seizure at nine given that things aren't really progressing or you can we can reassess, like you can... Um, go for a walk, see how things pick up. Oh, I should mention as well, post-seizure, they can't induce you the same way that they can if you haven't had a seizure. So they, they only like, well, my obstetrician anyway, only likes to mechanically induce you as opposed to hormonally induce you. So that means he was only really happy to use the balloon catheter, which stretches your cervix, or to break your waters, but you obviously need to have some dilation to do that, as opposed to using the prostin gel or the syntocin drip um, because it, comes with a lot more complications um, during the hormonal induction. And I know some women have had that post-seizure and it's worked out all right, but um, he wasn't a fan of that. And to be honest, I don't think I was a huge fan of that either. I was I was quite happy to go into spontaneous labour and have a birth that way or have a seizure. I didn't really want to be inducing my body if it wasn't showing signs of being ready. Um, the concept behind that for people who perhaps haven't had a caesarean, um, that they don't want to put extra pressure on where they've made that incision um, previously. So that you don't want to stress that area any more than needs to be sort of. Spot on, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, if you're producing artificial contractions that are really intense, um, it can increase that the pressure on that scar and whilst it's very low there is a small chance of uterine rupture um, and um, we obviously don't want to go down that pathway so um, whereas the mechanical ways of inducing um, my impression was they were a little bit safer so but the plan was always the safest way is you to go into spontaneous labor which my body was just being very stubborn about. Um, so, yes, yeah, so from an induction point of view, it's not like at that stage they could have broke my waters because my cervix wasn't dilated. They couldn't use the gel because um, it was hormonal and then they could have tried the catheter, um, which is something I, I think you put in and you leave overnight and then if it's dilated enough, you can then break your waters. But when the head is still high, there's a risk that then you can have cord prolapse and that can be really dangerous. And again, we're starting just to get into murky territory where I was like, how risky do I want this to be for the sake of having a vaginal birth when everything is really healthy and well now? And, um, and again, at 24 hours before, I was so calm and ready to have a cesarean and then it was just this final spatter in the works of having to make that decision again, which was just uh, hilarious in hindsight, but such a mind warp at the time because I was like, I'd already come to terms with this. I was okay with it. I was ready. I was happy. And now this has happened. But, um, yeah, we agreed in the end, given all the, all the information I had, um, that the safest and best option would be to do the Caesar at nine still. Um, and I was, again, same with Massey. Once I made the decision, I was completely fine with it. It was just the making the decision part that was really, really difficult, especially when my body was trying to do something that 
Um, I've had a few friends and clients who have had similar things and um, I think they call it spurious labour, which is like false labour, which is essentially where you get the contractions but it's not actually doing what it needs to do at the cervix and so baby's head's not dropping down and you're not actually getting the dilation. And I think these are the women back in the day that would labour for weeks and weeks and weeks and nothing would really happen and... Um, so I'm really glad that I have the option to be able to have my baby surgically and everyone is healthy and well and happy. And so we made that decision and I remember, like we'd only just made this decision. It was maybe 8.30 or 8.40 and this midwife came in and my husband had gone to get the camera because we're like, right, you know, let's get the camera, let's get sorted. She obviously didn't understand what had gone down before that. I was crying and you know my eyes were all swollen and she said okay here's the scrubs for your husband um, and I said okay he's just gone to the car to get the camera and she's like well come on love you can't keep theatre waiting you've got a surgery at nine let's get moving like hush hush oh. <laughs> like, like, I wanted to cry again I was like I just made a really big decision about how I'm going to birth my baby don't you rush me and I'm in labour <laughs> exactly like I'm really uncomfortable this is like a big mental decision like if I put surgery theatre behind five minutes. <laughs> I guess she's looking at your file and it says scheduled season. Correct, so she's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, come on, you should have had this organised. <laughs> so I thought that was quite funny. But, um, yeah, look, again, it was a really, really um, lovely experience. It was exactly the same. It felt like deja vu. I was really teary. I don't know what it is because it's not a – It's not. I'm not scared to have a Caesar. Like, it's not – fun to have a spinal and all those sorts of things I'm certainly I never go to hospital I'm never sick I don't ever have to have needles so that stuff's not fun but it was just like this emotional purging beforehand of okay I've made the decision I'm happy with the decision I'm about to meet my baby like it's just this overwhelm of emotions and I just cry the whole time and everyone that was always really concerned about me like is everything okay and I'm like yes. I, it is it's just like a purge of everything and I don't know, maybe people don't cry before a Caesar, but I, I've definitely cried both times and I'm sure I will in the future as well. It's just a really big, you know, after you've made that decision. But, um, yeah, this time round, um, everything was the same. So the operation was very much the same, except I lay down for my spinal instead of sat, which was actually really good. Um, I think this anaesthetist was just a bit different. But what was really cool, the anaesthetist said, do you want to see um, them pulling the baby out? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to see this. Like I'm all about the – I know some people find it gory, but I've always loved – that's why I'm in the health area, I think, blood and guts and medicine and the insides of your body and all those things that most people never want to look at. But he said, I can hold a mirror up if you want and you can watch. I was like, yes, please, that would be amazing because I didn't see that with Mussy. I saw the photos afterwards, which were really cool, but not in real time. So he held the mirror up and I got to see them pull her out which was incredible and um, yeah she had this full head of black hair and I didn't know it was a girl and again JA announced it as we have a little peer because we knew the name and oh it was just awesome like it was really good and the difference this time is because it was a scheduled cesarean she stayed with me the whole time so apart from um, you know like five minutes where they I don't actually know what they do to be honest. They just maybe wrap her up and weigh her or whatnot. She was four kilos as well. So Mussy was 4.1 kilos and she was four kilos. So I breathed them fairly big. Um, and, yeah, it was lovely. So she stayed with me in recovery, which was incredible. I probably didn't realise because I didn't know any different with Mussy just how nice it is to actually have 
bubs there straight away and she latched and she fed like a champ and yeah I felt really really good so physically mentally I, I felt really really good um after I think because the whole pregnancy it was just felt like a bit of an emotional roller coaster of oh v-back cesarean like always thinking you know how can I um prepare myself better or do more or like what if it happens like this what if it happens like that and it's just it takes its toll on you the mental load of it or for me anyway it took a real toll constantly without even realizing it It was always in the back of my mind sort of what's going to happen and I'm I'm almost quite relieved that I don't have to think about that again so going forward it's just going to be very different because I know how baby's going to come out unless it throws another spanner in the works and they're going to labour at 35 weeks or something. And, Shoots right out um, at home or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a home be back. Oh, God. We've um, talked about the, like the, um, yeah, all the fantastic positive things about having your community and having your pregnancy posse people coming along with you, but were there elements when you were making your decisions where that came into your mind? Because I know in my labour when mine was stop-started, I was thinking, oh, everyone's waiting to hear, like, what happens in this uh, labour. Yes. a little bit of, like, social pressure to get it right. <laughs> yeah, Did you definitely. feel a little bit of that? or I was lucky in that I didn't have too many people, like, you know, asking me, like, is baby come yet or when's this all happening? Everyone, I was very open with the fact that I was overdue and nothing was happening. So I think that probably kept the questions at bay. But certainly after birth, I tried to have the time off in hospital from social media and work and things like that. Um, but obviously everyone was really interested in whether I got my V back or whether I had a Caesar again. And um, I knew we were going to record this, so I wanted to save it until I actually told the story properly as well. But um, I certainly had a lot of people asking me after birth, like, how did it all go? And um, that's why I'm so glad like, we had the time to do this together because I think it's such an, a great way to share the whole story with people rather than replying to everyone individually and without the context of what happened. And, um, yeah, but I did have a little bit of social pressure, certainly a lot more people interested in how things went down and, <laughs> and, in, and in the story of it, especially because there's so many women in the same position as myself with the v-back and trying to decide and and I know myself I was always looking for stories about successful v-backs and how things went down and um you're always looking um yeah for stories which can be really great because it's super positive and you know that women have done it but I also found it could be a little bit negative for me because I for example I went nine days over and I was really comfortable with that but then I read a story about a woman who went 14 days over and had a great v-back and I was like oh but what if I just wait another five days and I just thought Laura there's never going to be a magic time where you'll, you'll always hear about someone who went a bit longer and had a v-back and um, you can't torment yourself with the what ifs like I was saying before but what's really cool I wanted to mention and I know you've done this on your podcast before is the day after my obstetrician came to see me to check on everything and he was saying um that next time, and he's just done a couple of these, that we can do the maternal assisted Caesar. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. You'd be like oh, perfect candidate. I'm so keen. Yes, all my family and friends have, like, screwed their faces up when I've told them about it. But, again, I like that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, so I can pull – because he, he's so supportive of um, – trying to make it a really wonderful experience so it doesn't just feel like a surgery and he was saying you know it, it feels so much more physiological if you can pull baby 
up onto your chest. Um, so yeah, they glove you up and they I think they get the head out, maybe the shoulders, and then you just do the easy part, pulling baby up onto your chest. But yeah, I think that's so exciting. I'm really keen to um to trial that so i'm glad he suggested it as well because yeah, that's real. um yeah I, I really wasn't sure do you want to give him a shout out what's your obstetrician's oh, name yeah. he'll be Peter flooded with the requests now <laughs> yeah he's at francis perry he's just yeah really i found him to be exactly what i needed because he could logically help me reason rather than emotionally i know it is an emotional decision too but um he helped me logically reason the things and the decisions I had to make, but without ever putting any pressure. Like it was always my like my call, and uh, I just found him to be the perfect blend of what I needed with supportive and comforting, but also like risk averse and safe. And like this is going to keep us all healthy. And for me, that just worked really well, um, which is great. So yeah, next time I get to pull, if I have another, I get to pull baby out. <laughs> Um, well, if people want to connect with you, you're um, on Instagram. You're always generously sharing lots of um, little clips and it's all very accurate because you've just done it whilst pregnant. So all the videos yeah. are you heavily pregnant doing things yeah. or not so heavily at the start. <laughs> um, yeah. But you're Physio Laura on Instagram. And if people want to check out the Pregnancy Posse, do you want to just give us a quick recap of how that works? Yeah, so um, you can find out more at thepregnancyposse.com um, and what it is, is an online program and it guides you week by week throughout your pregnancy. So every single week there's different workouts which are tailored to that stage of pregnancy because how you work out at week 13 is different to how you should be working out at say week 40. Um, so it's all created by me, it's all evidence-based, um, there's a whole heap of resources on pelvic floor training, abdominal separation, managing pelvic pain back pain preparing for birth all of that there's a wonderful forum with all the mummers um, who get to just you know introduce themselves have a chat share stories ask questions and then I do a weekly Q&A session you'll probably see Miss Pia quite a lot because she's always strapped to me but I answer like any questions that pop up for all the ladies and yeah it's just a really nice space where you can learn all the things that you don't often hear about until, not till it's too late, but until they're a problem for you. Um, so I think I'm really big on trying to prevent things from popping up if they can. Um, so just knowing the knowledge in advance is really powerful, I think. So that's that's what I'm big on and just providing a safe space for exercise because I think a lot of women either stop exercising because they're scared about what they can and can't do or they continue exercise that maybe not be so appropriate for them. So the pregnancy possibly yeah and i'll put a link in because all my listeners can trial it out for seven days for one dollar and i'll put the link Correct. they need to click on um yeah. yep so it's just a monthly subscription but it's fantastic and um i am a bit like your first time at using shebus i did a little bit and then i lost track and now yeah. i look back like oh damn i should have been doing that the whole time along. <laughs> next so, time number yeah, four learn from my mistakes <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, not number four. <laughs> um, but we're running out of time. But it was so lovely to hear your stories, Laura. I was hanging out to find out what really happened. So thank yeah. you so much. And thank I think you. watch this space because Laura's got a podcast coming up soon. Yes, that's so, the plan. Yes. yes. Thank you so newsletter. much, Sophie. <laughs> yeah, it was really good to share that. Yeah, Thanks thank for having you. me on. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed Laura's interview. If you'd like to see some more pictures of her and her beautiful babies, you can head over to australianbirthstories.com forward slash physio Laura. That's her work name. So it's physio Laura. And if you haven't already signed up to my newsletter. 
Hey mamas, Laura here. I really hope you enjoyed me sharing about my experience with my second pregnancy and birth in today's podcast episode. I really hope it helped anyone who might be in a similar position of trying for a VBAC or who is trying to process another pregnancy and birth after a previous C-section. Please do head over to my socials at PhysioLaura if you have any follow-up questions or want to chat with me. I always love to hear your feedback. In the last episode in this series, we'll be doing a Q&A style episode chatting all about C-section scars, recovery after birth, age gaps between births, and so much more. So if you haven't already, just subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, if you're loving the podcast series I've released so far and want to watch them all before they're released to the public, you can find them all inside my online program, The Pregnancy Posse. Inside the Pregnancy Posse, you'll also find weekly guided pregnancy workouts, an extensive resources library on birth preparation, pelvic floor exercises, and managing pelvic pain, plus a wonderful community forum and a weekly Q&A session with myself. Now, I'd love to help you have a wonderful pregnancy, birth, and postnatal journey. So please just visit thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about and trial it for seven days. I will catch you soon for the final episode in this five-part C-section birth series where I'll be doing a Q&A on the most commonly asked questions around cesareans. Until then, mamas, sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes and enjoy the incredible journey that is pregnancy.